come. It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Hello, welcome to Cheap Scares, the horror movie podcast that stems from the filth taught here in this very schoolroom. I'm David Schneider. And unfortunately, Mr. Schneider, it seems you have fallen into our trap because you are exactly what we needed from a host. You came here of your own free will. You have the power of an editor. You are... Actually, these fall apart the instant I go past that one. Hello, I'm Sybil Arnett. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely not stepping in any, any men made of wicker. I can guarantee <laughs> you that. So yeah, <laughs> it's the Wicker Man. The original. Uh, yes, the original from uh, 1973. It It is technically a British film, I believe, but it was entirely filmed in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Directed by Robert Hardy, uh, screenplay by Anthony Schaefer, I, I believe based very loosely on the novel Ritual by David Penner. And also a credit we're probably not going to bring up in too many movies. Uh, the score for this movie was uh, composed by Paul Giovanni. And it is important to note this because one thing that I completely forgot about The Wicker Man is that it's a musical. And a pretty good one, honestly. Yeah. On the surface, it kind of seems like it's pulling a genre twist uh, as it goes through. But it also also kind of not. It, it, uh, this is a very strange movie. I don't know if I've ever like seen anything else quite like it. I would be hard-pressed to find a comparison. Yeah. Um, basically, it's just... You could watch any scene and mostly on mute, uh, and it's, it just seems like it's maybe like a a pleasant little uh, drama about small town life. It is it is not that. Yeah, you're right. If if I had no idea what they were saying, this would <laughs> seem like other than two scenes, uh, just a very little slice of life. I mean, there's def like definitely a few scenes that would uh, maybe tip you off that something else is going on, like when he yells at a bunch of school children. Oh, no, the one I was thinking of was when he was trying to sleep. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, we'll we'll get there. Mm hmm. But yeah, it's a it's an interesting mix of just like gorgeous scenery shots. Um just like a a little bit of intrigue under the surface it's it's would you would you call it a pot boiler i think it, it kinda, so just kind of starts at nothing yeah it doesn't hmm i find it hard to call it a standard mystery because it is throwing a lot of red herrings at you and overtly lying. So a thriller or a potboiler, probably the best fit. Yeah, I, I, I could see mystery for sure. I think I think it's got enough going on in there that you could you could piece it all together by the end. One last thing about the score. I yep. actually came to this movie the first time because the sneaker pimps did a cover of one of the tracks from the score, which led me back to this film in the late 90s, and so thank you to all the weirdness of Britain for just carrying <laughs> me to this movie. 
Never thought I could have made that connection on a horror podcast, but I did. Yeah, this uh, th- uh, this is a tape that I found in um, a, a very exclusive collection of uh of movies, which uh, I'm going to describe as uh, films available for rent in the Hollywood Video in Silver Spring, Maryland, between 1998 and 2001. Mm, mm-hmm. Which it's pro- uh, most of my early uh horror movie viewing was from from that uh that wonderful group uh somewhat self-selected <laughs> makes sense random little holes here and there like i never saw they they never had a nightmare on, on elm street 2 in stock <laughs> so it's just like w- whatever tapes didn't get stolen uh we kick things off with a sort of dedication on the screen which uh it says, the producer would like to thank the Lord Summer Isle and the people of his island off the west coast of Scotland for this privileged insight into their religious practices and for their generous cooperation in the making of this film. So this is just a lie. <laughs> but it is a is wonderful not... swerve if you don't know what's going on as you come in. True. True. It, I. It's just, there is a long running sort of I, I it kind of feels like an inside joke uh or it would if it didn't also sometimes just seem like fraud where uh <laughs> horror movies will just, just they'll just tell you it's real it's not even like uh based off a true story or which is usually like uh based off of one thing that happened to one guy sometime near a place somebody told the cops this once might have been drunk yeah, <laughs> there was a doll involved. That sort of uh, thing. I was trying not to say the conjuring, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, if this were true, there is absolutely no way in hell <laughs> or whatever you believe in, I guess, um, this small religion would cooperate on account of that there is a murder. It's okay. They only took the religion. They didn't take all the details. I'm going to go ahead and call that one no. I'm just going to say no. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, uh, we kick things off for real. There's um, some really gorgeous helicopter shots of it's a small seaplane taking off and uh, just sort of making its way through some uh some of these scottish isles and a wonderful electric flute solo over it yeah um the this is the first of the many folk songs that we hear um a lot of the soundtrack was sort of mixed together but from like both old folk songs and sometimes just the lyrics with new compositions uh, a couple of just like completely original songs um uh, let's see the first song that we hear is just just runs for a minute it is the highland widow's lament and um it quickly changes into what is basically the theme song for the first 15 minutes of the movie uh which i will which is called corn rigs <laughs> this is one of the songs where the lyrics are from um it's a uh, late 18th century scotland so they may as well be singing another language 
It's uh, corn rigs and barley rigs, and corn rigs are Bonnie. Like, I, I recognize all of those words, but when you put them together like that, I have no idea what that's supposed to mean. On this island, it's probably sexual. Yeah, it, it mentions a few times, like, uh, something about a, a time that the singer had in the corn rigs with Annie. So it's probably, probably a tryst of some sort. These are Tristan Isles, you hear. Oh, these are incredibly Tristan Isles. So yeah, um, the plane eventually lands. Well, does it count as landing if you land in the water? I think if a seaplane doesn't crash, it is a landing. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll accept it on a technicality. This is right by the Harbor Masters, and there are a couple of elderly gentlemen just sort of standing there watching. And we get our first look at our main character, Sergeant Howie, played by Edward Woodward. Uh, he would like a dinghy, please. And immediately, the Isles residents are having a piss fight with the cops because, ah, we're sovereign here. Yeah, it's it's private property. I can't send you a dinghy. But uh, he he does eventually badger them into letting him on the island. Yep. Uh, because he is here to investigate a report from a purported island resident. He received an anonymous uh, communique. Uh, it is a missing child report. And so they go, okay, I, gu I guess. And they, they go bring him onto the shore. And this takes long enough for a lot more old men to just sort of uh, cluster together. I guess what are you doing if there's a seaplane blocking your boats from going out to fish? Yeah. I mean, it just, it's just kind of hanging out there. It's pretty far from the shore. I don't, I think they're okay. Um, but anyway, the... <laughs> I'm not an old man. He has a photo of a young girl. 13-ish uh, is, uh, it is Rowan Morrison. And everyone's like, I've never seen this girl before. Do you know? Have you seen her? No. Have you seen her? No. They pass it along, and they're it's it's really quite suspicious. And they don't know any Morrisons. Oh, okay. No, I was gonna say eventually he says Morrison and mentions a mother, uh, May Morrison. It's it's only when he mentions the mother that they go, oh right, Morrison, May Morrison, yes. <laughs> She's that away. That's not her daughter. Mm-hmm. And so he goes, and we uh we walk through town as the corn rigs uh song <laughs> sort of uh just fades back in, and we just it's it's just like a a nice little uh little mood establishing shot, and he's walking down the street, and everybody's leaning out their windows to look at this strange man. Interestingly, May Morrison is the. Her shop is also the post office? Yes, and also a sweets shop. Yeah, when you walk in, it's basically that candy shop from Willy Wonka that they're at for the first <laughs> act of that movie. It's kind of terrifying. It's It's got, like, uh, all kinds of, like, human-shaped 
like sweets and cakes and stuff and like like baby heads <laughs> a few skulls and some watership down ass chocolate rabbits uh, no those are hairs it's true he, he he is immediately corrected when he calls them rabbits no they're march hairs mhm but showing may the photo immediately gets up oh I've got a daughter, but this isn't her. Yeah, no, my daughter's right over here. And so we uh, we go inside just a little bit, and there's uh, her actual daughter, Myrtle. Or she is painting, and it is another hair. And uh, then a customer comes in, so he's left alone with her for a minute. Uh, she shoves a paintbrush, like the brush side, right into his hand. Is uh like here you can paint too. Blech. It's an interesting scene because any Myrtle seems innocent but off, just a little bit off, and it's just not not just not, everything is just a little bit off enough to you know keep him around and assume that he is not being pranked. Yeah. But she also says, nope, I don't know her. Well, no, she does know Ro Rowan. Uh, Rowan's out running in the fields. And so he asks, well, will she be back for tea? Hares don't have tea. <sighs> and then, then, then her mother comes back in and just, like, shoves tea in his face until he leaves. A thing that will happen a lot to poor Officer Howie. A lot of tea for this guy. I mean, considering the time and the place, it, it, it's what you do. It's, it's, this is how you are polite to the person that you don't want to be here. Tea. Well, it's also the only drink he will accept when he is constantly offered harder substance. We're a tea or liquor aisle, sir. So, uh, after this, after this fruitless conversation, he... It, it it's it's late and he goes to the local inn the green man inn mm -hmm. and they do the stereotypical western thing where uh the the a character walks in and uh the the party atmosphere just completely dies to dead silence and everyone stares at him which i guess when a cop walks in on your island without any policemen you probably would go huh yeah so he he goes up and asks for a room from the innkeep, who uh, who is Alder McGregor, totally not evil. He He's looks <laughs> like he should be some kind of Lord of the Fae in a different horror movie. He's got kind of a snidely whiplash look to him. Oh, see, I, I thought sort of uh, shrunken head proportions a little off. We we don't get a, a whole lot of him. He's just kind of off in the side of a few scenes, just sort of snickering. Um, mm -hmm. But what, uh, the the character we do get a lot of is his daughter Willow, who comes in, and she is, if you think like late sixties, early seventies model, that's her. It's a uh, big blonde hair. Uh, large lips she's just the uh it's the look that they 
were making fun of with the uh, the fembots in uh, the first Austin Powers. It's basically like a way toned down version of that. That's more tasteful than how I was going to say uh, huge tracts of land like the island, but... Well, we'll see more of those tracts of land, I guess. Mm-hmm. We'll get a, a tour of the grounds. Good lord, will we. So anyway, uh, the, a, a, an attractive young woman has come in, so the entire bar starts singing The Landlord's Daughter, which is a... I a, love this shanty. An extremely uh, raunchy little ballad about the strumpets of yore. And The Landlord's Daughter is just totally into it. As kind of is the landlord. Yeah, yeah, no, they 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 both love it. Um, ha- Sergeant Howie is just barely tolerating his own presence in this scene. Uh, it's just the whole of the lyrics are just boners and vaginas, just all the way. It's like uh, the space between her left toe and her right toe is uh, and the scene is wonderful because two old men are recreating this with a first person shot where one sticks out a foot and the other <laughs> sticks out his foot and they just wiggle it around in unison to the tune yeah it is a, and, and everybody in there is dancing and having a great time except for our main character and Ooh. when we say this film is a musical we're not joking because this is just a whole yeah. two minute sequence where everyone is choreographed and there's a whole music video going on <laughs> It's real fun. It is. It is. But uh, uh, it is shortly interrupted by official business. He slams on the counter and goes, I have this photo. Tell me about this photo. So uh, as he's passing the photo around, he notices on the wall a bunch of uh, photos of the Harvest Festival girls. But uh, one of one of the spots is conspicuously empty. It was uh, 1972, uh, this year's. Harvest Festival, and it's it, it it got broke. Don't don't worry about it. The uh, supper's ready, and he takes it upstairs in his room, wanting to be nowhere near this. Yep, uh, he doesn't like it. It, it. They've just given him a lot of canned food. Yeah, he gets a little snippy with Willow about oh you know Harvest Isle, and you've just got a bunch of tinned beans, eh? No apples. And he he complains about the color of the broad beans, and uh, Willow just re- replies, some things in their natural state have the most vivid colors, whatever that means. <laughs> yep. She also throws up a smoke screen with, all the apples have been sent off for trade. Yeah. Which is believable. Mm-hmm. Um... And so after he finishes his meal, he goes outside for a walk and, uh, well, there's just an orgy out there. People be (laughs) fucking. People be fucking. Um, not one of the tunes in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just imagining how much bodier you would have to get if you went from landlord's daughter to escalate to people be fucking. And they're just they're just right that right out there on the yard doing their stuff in front of God and everybody, and 
it's in slow motion as he just sort of stares and uh, uh, he doesn't seem to know how to process this. So he just kind of wanders off uh, to a graveyard, which is nearby. Um, usually most of most of the people in the graveyard are, you know, somber and presentable. And there's just one completely nude woman sobbing on a headstone. Another and one that... is watering a tombstone. That one stood out to me. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. We get we get more information on that later. Um, but th- that's th- this is enough. He's had enough. He storms back into the inn, crashes back into his room, um, and then just before he uh, he's getting ready to bed, uh, Wi- Willow, the hot young thing, uh, she goes to retire in the next room. And she begins singing a song. The song is called Willow's Song. Uh, she is completely nude. And uh, it is, uh, it's a lovely little tune, which is incredibly sexual. And the thing that starts this off is she is pounding the walls to punctuate herself as she sings. Yeah, she keeps doing that. Um the 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 lyrics of the song are basically about uh her specifically asking him to come on over and uh she'll show him things basically uh we we can do a sex together so and <laughs> a decade later this would be the billy idol music video rock the cradle of love except in that song both parties on each side of the wall were into it and in this one <laughs> A cop is getting really sexually frustrated while a hot oh woman my. is banging on the walls. Oh my god, he is he is on the verge of something. He is at the end of his rope. He is just like it just rubbing his entire body against the wall in lust. There's definitely some reach for the door. Don't reach for the door. Oh no. I know. And this <laughs> Basically, for the entire song, he's doing this. Um, so there, there's like a lot of hand job imagery in the lyrics and like what she's doing. Uh, she's just kind of wandering through the room and finding like the most phallic objects and just sort of like waving her hands near them suggestively. <laughs> um, there, there was a cut line from uh, from the full version of this song, uh, which did not make it into the uh, the movie version. Which is, uh, how a maid can milk a bull and every stroke a bucket full. <laughs> so, not especially subtle. What's left in the film is also very not subtle. This pretty much is people be fucking the track. <laughs> anyway, he, re- he resists the temptation and goes to bed and presumably has a very restless night. Um, but then it's morning. Hey, get up, get up. Willow's here. Wake up, wake up. And she's like doing, she's all but just like banging pants next to his head to wake him up. Mm-hmm. Don't we have the little flash of dream? Is it before or after the conversation? I don't know. I don't remember a flash of dream. You see a little bit of what I presume from implication is his fiance. Well, there are a few different cuts of this movie. I'm not 100% sure we saw the same one, but... um, I was starting to wonder that in a couple of places, yeah. 
Uh, in my copy, at least, somewhere around here, I forget if it's as he's going down to sleep or a flash during their conversation. You you see a shot of him with a woman and they're just an implication that will be spelled out in a little of this is my fiance. Yeah, um, no, I don't think we got, I, I, I didn't get that. I watched the one that's on um Amazon Prime. Got it. I rented from Apple Plus. Gotcha. Um, yeah, they're, 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 uh, the only flashback that I can recall was just a, a scene of him in church. Mm-hmm. So. But, uh, he, he does, he does mention that he is, uh, he's, um. Affianced? Affianced, sure. <laughs> uh, he, he does mention that, uh, after she asks, like, uh, why didn't you stop by? I have the line right here. I I did invite you last night. Well, I'm I'm engaged to be wed. I and that stops you. <laughs> no, he's waiting for marriage. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she's she tells him he should probably finish up his business and leave before tomorrow, which is May Day. And so he decides to make one last sweep of the aisle. And he thinks the next place to go is the schoolhouse. Mm-hmm. So there are uh, some boys tied up to a pole. They're doing a maypole dance uh, to a song called Maypole. <laughs> they um, can't all be winners. Yeah, this one, this one is uh, basically about the circle of life, pretty much from conception to death. We become the grass, other things eat it, yeah. Somewhat more detailed than uh, you would usually expect from a, a, a song sung by children nowadays. Around this part of the movie, he's just kind of starting to reach the like the end of his limit <laughs> for this, yeah. uh, this disgusting filth. And so he finds a, a girl's classes in session inside the school. And the teacher, Miss Rose, is asking young Daisy. Uh, she's. I think Daisy is the only one that gets like more than one line. Um, she asks Daisy if she knows what the maypole represents, and she doesn't because she's stupid. However, it's very easy to be reminded. It's the penis. <laughs> He's just like, oh, that's it. That's it. I'm. <laughs> he he, t he takes Miss Rose out to talk to her. The gun is good. The gun is the gun. Gun. The penis, penis is evil. And by God, he is going to report this to the proper authorities. It's everywhere he looks degeneracy. There's brawling in bars. There's indecency in public places. And finally, the corruption of the young, which uh, which stems from the filth taught here in this very schoolroom. Which it seems like a really extreme reaction to hearing the word penis once, I think, but. <laughs> Somewhere in this conversation, I believe, or maybe it was in the earlier flash. The flashes come in such a way that I'm not sure where they're cut in other than making note of them. We see that he was baptized and is a born again Christian, and that comes up in discussion. He he storms back into the classroom, um, 
forcibly erases this filthy curriculum from the board to write Rowan Morrison. And like none of the girls recognize the name, but he's like, okay, what about that desk there where nobody's sitting? What's going on in there? And this is kind of creepy. Um, he opens the desk and finds there is a nail driven into the interior of a desk of the desk and a t tied to it as in like kind of a leash, uh, just made of like a, a little bit of thread is a beetle. And the beetle is winding its way around the nail. And Daisy says, uh, the little old beetle r goes round and round always the same way. You see until he ends up, ends up right up tight to the nail. Poor old thing. Also very maypole imagery. Yes, he is. He is not impressed. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's like, why would you do this? This is so, it's, it's really weird. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, Sergeant Howie is going more and more off his calm the longer this scene goes on. And it's not just the teacher getting to him, but it's the teacher he can yell at, unlike children. Yes, he's he he comes very close to yelling at Daisy here. But finally, yeah. finally, he demands to see the school register and damned if he's going to get permission or a warrant or anything. So he just digs through the desk and pulls it out. And oh, hey, this is a name of Rowan Morrison address post office. Mm -hmm. He just stares at them and goes, you are all despicable little liars. I forget the line that leads into this, but I did write down, well, she's either dead or she's not. Well, here, we <laughs> don't use that word. Yes, uh, yes, uh, Miss Rose takes him outside on account of him upsetting the children by yelling at them. And yep. this is where she basically says that Rowan died, but they don't use the word, as you said. Mm -hmm. uh, the soul returns to the, to the atmosphere. And he's like, okay, so what about Jesus Christ? The general excuse that she uses is that uh, kids are better able to understand reincarnation than resurrection, which is uh, a thing that comes up a few more times throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he, he does start asking, well, why aren't, how much are your classes talking about the Lord Jesus? Very upset that uh, Christ is not a part of the curriculum. Christ is extremely not a part of this curriculum, to be fair. No. Um, so he, fi he finally gets the closest thing to a straight answer he can out of her, which is uh, he he's asking, where is Rowan's body? And she says, right where you ex you'd expect it to be, in the earth. And he asks, you mean in the churchyard? In a manner of speaking. <laughs> yes. Well, it's is like, it or in it? Is it? A, a, should you even call it a churchyard anymore now that now that we're not Christian? And then she's like, oh, uh, right. Bye. <laughs> she leaves. <laughs> he's, he's so mad that this island does not have a father. Uh, it's it's the one thing keeping him like as a part of society and they just don't have it here and he doesn't know how to react. Yeah. Howie gives off big. I was a lush or I had an addiction 
and I turned my life around with Jesus vibes. But he's the kind of person who very much runs to the pastor whenever he's out of his comfort zone. And right now, he's extremely out of his comfort zone with no one to turn to. So, (laughs) at the graveyard, (laughs) there's a few more wonderful sights. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a headstone that says, Protected by the Ejaculation of Serpents. I don't know what that means. Anyway, the important thing is there's a woman who is also in the graveyard who never says anything. Uh, In one hand, she's holding a baby that is breastfeeding. And in the other hand, she's just holding an egg. (laughs) She's just got an egg out. (laughs) This random extra from a David Lynch movie is just chilling. Yeah, she just kind of watches him for the entire rest of the scene. This movie does a lot of great things with extras who don't speak, just adding to the uh nature of the whole proceeding he f- he finds uh s- some of the some empty crates of apples and uh he r- rips off some planks from them and forms a cross to leave it behind yeah just on a random stone good job and then he finds the uh well ironically the rowan tree that uh, rowan morrison was under which has an umbilical cord hanging from it, because yeah. why not? Apparently hers. Yep. They they keep those around, which well, it, was, it, was, it was a plot point in Silent Hill 4. <laughs> that someone just oh. kept an umbilical cord around for, no, like, no readily apparent good reason. Okay, I yeah. don't know what to it's make just, of that. Yeah, nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> all right well now i know what sergeant howie feels like yeah that the, i <laughs> that game is a trip um anyway this this is another another straw that is on an already shattered back um so he charges back to the post office where he finds that May is uh giving uh giving her her real daughter, her alive daughter, uh the proper home remedy for uh for a sore throat, which is sticking a live frog in her mouth for a few seconds so the frog can mm-hmm. take a, take away her uh her sickness. And he's just like, "Okay, you know what? No." And he goes just goes. Yeah. He also goes to the registrar. <laughs> yeah he's, he's he's just he's flailing at this point he has no idea what to do here um so he he wants to see the uh the death certificate for rowan and she stonewalls him until he's he just threatens her with immediate jail so what a lot of people are doing what miss rose did what the registrar is now doing is saying You'll have to get permission from Lord Summerisle, and he is refusing and saying that he has the right of the crown, the right of the lawman. But, eventually, I think it is directly after this, he does go up to the manor. Yeah, it is pretty, it's pretty shortly after this. Um, I I do have to mention the cool store, uh, Mm, which he goes mm, to. Right. Which, um... (laughs) 
it is where the the photographs are developed and it's got just all kinds of jars with the foreskins dimethyl glyoxime uh rat brains uh there's like a dead two-headed hamster and just one of them just says brains (laughs) oh my favorite is the one that says hearts yep hearts that's the one i wrote down you didn't mention they, they, there's like an aquarium right in front of the desk or in front of the counter that's just got like dead calves in it, I think. And this guy and, is the village chemist slash, obviously, uh, photographer and developer for anyone who might have a camera. So the purpose of the visit is, well, do you happen to have the negatives? From all those Harvest Festival photos? Because there's one that's missing. Oh, no, sir. That would be lost. Why would we keep that around when we've got the copy? And he he pulls out the photo as usual and asks, was this the girl? And doesn't really get an answer. Hmm. Old. Old, old, old. Anyway, this this is where he, uh, yeah, he, he ha- ha- finally ends up heading out to uh, the castle where uh, Lord Summer Isle he resides uh he passes a ritual where uh i guess they're supposed to be n- nude but the uh the video quality is too good at this point uh some very scantily clad women dancing around a fire there's like a stonehenge sort of thing and they're singing a song called fire leap which is incomprehensible he also passes some penis shaped bushes yes at, at least I, I i noticed at least one <laughs> I did note that down. Yeah. The, this film is great because even when he's walking around the island, something so completely strange is going to keep <laughs> your eyes glued to the screen. There is no downtime if you want visuals or just some unnerving little detail to pop up. So. The interior of this castle, I had to do like a double take when he did the when he went in there because I immediately recognized it. Um, so the layout for several of the rooms in the adventure game Gray Matter is mm-hmm. exactly this, like uh the uh front hall stairway, uh, and the dining room are exactly that from like the same angle even. Oh, um, there, there's a, a hearth. There's a couple shots of the hearth, which also resembles another room in that game. I was like, "Am I crazy?" So I looked it up, and no, no, this they 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 like changed around like the props and stuff, but it was it is very clearly <laughs> this, but uh, but then put in a video game forty years later. I, you know, the composer of that game uh, had recently started up a folk band, and several of their songs are in that game, so I'm just going to go ahead and call that not a coincidence. No, I feel like that's, unless this is some sort of famous manner that they might have found reference photos of, which it doesn't seem to be by all production notes I saw. Yeah. uh, That's probably blatant theft. (laughs) I mean, it's 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 the layout of a building. You can't 
you can't g- g- get on them too much for it. It was just okay. I guess maybe really... if they kept like the crests of Lord Summerisle on yeah. the walls, then we'd have. Yeah, no, it's not. But it's not that blatant. <laughs> okay. Um, homage but, like, then. Like there's a there's a mansion that I've seen in like several anime, and um, it 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 is the the mansion from Umineko when they cry. <laughs> and so that that's that's one of the that 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 i believe is one of the things that you were talking about where it's just like a famous place that they that that is All free to, yeah. not free to use but you you may you are allowed to use it as reference it's publicly owned anyway I'm if you public. want to, if you want to go ahead and talk about uh our meeting with lord summer isle Hell yes, I do. Christopher Lee enters the movie with big dick energy from behind a chair. (laughs) And this is, I think this is the youngest I've ever seen Christopher Lee that he is not in horror makeup. Because, you know, he was the hammer horror guy prior to this. Played the monster, hunted Dracula, lots of things. He's great in those films, but this is what comes when Christopher Lee tries to go... (laughs) I want to break out of typecasting. I want to act as a guy. And boy, does he knock it out of the park because he's just got this bemused, I don't want to say supervillain affectation. He's playing it grounded, but he comes off like he knows the score. He knows more than you. You're not asking the right questions. Just a hint of a smug grin on his face. It's just a little bit sinister, but mm-hmm. it's it's mostly just like a power thing. It's just he he has the power of this conver- in, in this conversation and he knows it and he is wielding it. And so he tells about why he is the lord of the isle because his grandfather, the first lord summer isle, was an agricultural specialist who adapted some fruits so that they could grow here in the combination of the volcanic soil of the isle and the Gulf Stream air that comes around the Scottish Highlands. It's a perfect combination. And so with this and getting everyone back onto the old pagan religions, he converted the isle and they were prosperous. And that's why he's the man who gets to be in the castle. (laughs) old gods and new fruits together and this pisses howie off but not in a way that he can confront because he knows he needs to ask a favor yeah He, he he's sort of like dancing around the subject a little bit he asks about you know what of the true god and Lord Summer Isle just says, he's dead. And there's a really yes. sharp zoom in when he says that. How he just utterly shocked. Mm-hmm. He cannot fathom that a person would actually say that out loud to his face. And it's great because it's the sort of thing that he can't argue. That's, you know, what happened there, but... uh that- not usually how most people would end that sentence with a full stop. 
it really is the ultimate way to sum up Lord Summerisle, just kind of disarming him the whole time. It's just, well, that god is dead. But our yeah. island is alive. He knows exactly what he needs to say to checkmate this conversation at any point. Eventually, Howie talks to him and asks if he can get permission to exhume the body of Rowan Morrison. And he is granted it. Yep. And then he, call, he, he calls him a pagan. And this this does not have the impact that uh, he expects. And Basically, uh, just a nonverbal <laughs> yes. So, as he as he leaves, um, he does say, "I'm on, I'm interested in only one thing: the law, which is a lie." Oh yeah. So My yeah, man um, would just love to bring the hammer down on this island. So yeah, now that now that he is rattled even further, uh, some time passes and the grave is exhumed. There's a bit of a struggle to get it open, and they find a very fresh dead hare in there. Yeah. The, the gardener thinks that this is really funny. Which, you know, I guess if you're expecting to find a corpse and all you find is a rabbit, it's like, oh, that's a relief. Which is a, kind of a, a fun callback to a little girl calling Rowan a rabbit. There's, there's clearly something up here. Yeah. Um, so he he charges back with the dead rabbit. Uh, he finds Miss Rose there. Uh, she's uh, she's lounging by the fire, and uh, Lord Summer Isle is on the piano, and they are singing the Tinker of Rye. And just as it's about to start getting dirty, he just throws the dead rabbit at them. <laughs> yes. And another they... great Summer Isle owie exchange. Where is the body? Well, you're the detective. You tell me. So good, and they 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 basically don't tell him anything at all. They they're just kind of amused at this. Yeah, they're both smirking this whole time, and so he he recaps the child was reported missing, and but also there's no such child, and also she's dead, and also no death certificate, and also there's a grave with no body in it. Uh, so he, rep he summarizes, I think Rowan Mor Morrison was murdered under circumstances of pagan barbarity, which I can scarcely bring myself to believe is taking place in the 20th century. And he will, he will be reporting tomorrow and he will demand an inquiry. <laughs> I will return to the mainland, get a full force of men, and I will be back here within the week. Well, it's just as well, because uh, if he was here for Mayday, he would be scandalized. Mm-hmm. The two of them basically give a toodles as he leaves. <laughs> yeah, they just they just start singing again, and I think the dead rabbit is just still there. Oh, yeah, they, they have no care for this. They're not even scandalized. They're just like, well, that's going to smell. I think that's the most. <laughs> So yeah, he uh then then he he just breaks into the the Photoshop. Yeah. Just charges right on in there and uh goes starts digging through the dark room uh until he he finds the photo itself. 
and he develops it, and oh my gosh, it's Rowan, and there's no crops next to her because the crops failed. She's mm-hmm. a sacrifice. So, of course, he does not leave the island and yep. stays the night at the library. Yeah, so uh, he's in the library the next day, and he's just, he's reading this info dump that, I like, I tr- I watched it a few times. I really could not keep up with it. It's, uh, he's, he's researching the May Day festivals and what you do in them. He finds one of those books that you have in a movie where you need to get someone the information yes. that there would be no <laughs> way they Basically, he finds the script and reads ahead three pages. <laughs> yes. It's one of those because he's just reading off Mayday pagans. If the crops fail, then clearly there would be a sacrifice to this specific god on this specific day in this specific way. <laughs> Maybe they set up a, a, a like a sign on the on the shelves that said, uh, Sergeant Howie, look here. And my favorite detail in this scene is that he is sitting at a too small table and there's just this old woman who says yeah. nothing but he keeps looking over at her for some reason and she's just like mm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah she it, it, there there's a lot of like people just looking at him in this whole film which is really funny also the uh the priest wears the skin of the sacrifice is another detail in here Yes, yes, that, that, I think that's the last thing that he says, and I don't recall that happening. Nope, not at all. He just, yeah. that's the one that makes him look up at the old woman, because he's muttering <laughs> this out loud. Yeah, um, <laughs> it uh, does turn out to be important that there are, uh, there are several mascots of the Mayday Parade, which is, uh, a man animal, which is a hobby horse at the end, at the head of the procession. A man-woman, the sinister teaser, okay, and the man-fool, punch. It's just literally punch. That yep. that one from Punch and Judy. Mm-hmm. Privileged simpleton and king for the day. And yep. let's see, there's a thing about six swordsmen putting their swords together in a, in a uh, six-pointed star. Sometimes they sacrifice animals, sometimes virgins. <laughs> And he de- he decides out loud, Rowan's not dead. So he tries heading out to his plane, and it does not go well. Yep, it does not turn on. It's, it's completely <laughs> out of out of plane juice. <laughs> there's a there's a nice little bit of insult to injury which so much of his day is at this point where he gets rowed out in the little schooner and (laughs) as the fisherman's rowing back to shore he's like hey hey get back here hey come on ah the the gaggle of old men that we saw from before is uh they're uh they're just sort of like hanging out nearby wearing masks and occasionally just like popping their heads up one at a time and he does eventually get picked up to get back onto the <laughs> island, but... It's just a complete waste of time. Oh, yeah. Plane won't start, radio won't work, so he's stuck here for Mayday. Yep. And the Fortun- festival begins. Fortunately, <laughs> t- 
Fortunately, two seconds later, he immediately sees a suspicious figure. Uh, there's a, a large bearded man in this, like, gigantic novelty dress. And there's, like, a, a horse head? Oh, yeah. Uh, sticking this is out of the front. man beast. It's great. Yeah. It, it, I, I guess, based on the dialogue, I guess I have to call it a horse. But it's <laughs> really abstract. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> It's just like all well, I guess horses are also all teeth, but yeah, um, it is the tallest man in the village by a head, <laughs> and he's just running around obscenely nimbly between different <laughs> sides of buildings and yeah. side streets, just ahead, prancing past in a different direction every time, just to be a dick, maybe maybe it's like triplets. I did wonder that. I did wonder if that would reveal would come up, but it doesn't seem nah. to. No, nah, it's, it's he's just he's just very good at uh very blatantly leading people to where they need to be. Yep. Such a fun chase too, with just a jaunty little tune <laughs> behind it. And uh the chase ends at a a party in the graveyard. They're having a small mm -hmm. time. Lord Summer Isle is there. And uh, it's time for a speech. Party's over, and uh, everybody reassemble at Town Hall at 3 o'clock, and we will begin the parade. And he describes in detail the full route that they will be taking. Just in case, you know, anybody in the audience doesn't know off, off the top of their head. Mm-hmm. A procession, <laughs> and then the sacrifice. This is probably where you should be picking up, like, even if you hadn't to this point, that something's up. This sure does seem like he's being led somewhere. But he's so off kilter and probably hasn't slept a lot at this point, which I imagine helps. Yeah, and he's so horny. <sighs> All those times I wander into a murder cult when I'm just thinking with the wrong head. Yeah, it's it's a classic mistake. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, they're going to have a sacrifice to Nuada and... Uh, Avellano, I think. I did not write down the names of the gods. God of the sun, god of the harvest. A-V-E-L-L-E-N-A-U. He pronounced it a different way than I would have if I, from uh, just reading the subtitle. Anyway, it's not important. It's just, there's a, there's a lot of little detail in uh, basically Look, everything this, in this movie. This is Scotland. Don't expect things to come out like they're written. <laughs> Fair. And uh, how how he runs back to the incredibly sweet post office. May is there. She's just chopping up one of her one of the creepiest person cakes that she has, just like mm -hmm. slicing it in kind of alarming uh, straight lines across the whole thing. I don't know. I don't know how you would cut that in a way that doesn't seem like you're murdering somebody. Well. I know exactly how you would do that. To bring us back to music video talk, there's a Tom Petty video, Don't Come Around Here No More. You just cut the center out rather than cutting right above the navel and right below the crotch, which is where this is sliced. <laughs> it's distinct. So she, he, he's trying, he tries to get her to see reason. He's... He's telling her, Rowan's still alive, and you can help save her. And she just, uh, again, just stonewalls him. 
Mm-hmm. And finally, he announces he is going to charge through the whole town and look in every house. And anybody who gets in his way is getting arrested. He, there's a lot of arrest threats for this one guy that can barely finish a conversation. Uh, Hell, does he even have cuffs? They never even come out. I don't I don't think so. Um, she She just says, you'll simply never understand the true nature of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And so the search begins. Uh, the music that accompanies this is excellent because it's a mix of tension and overreach on his, you know, sometimes the houses are empty and he's just rifling around. Sometimes he's shoving past or yelling at children. It's sinister Benny Hill. Yes. <laughs> Easily my favorite. You know instantly what I'm talking about when he starts going through a closet and a child just falls <laughs> out when he opens a door. Just face first. Just and boom. then she starts laughing and runs out of the room. Good thing she didn't just shatter her nose doing that fun prank. Uh, you do wonder what this child was doing. Oh, hey, that a-hole policeman from the aisles is <laughs> running around. I can hear him <laughs> rifling through the neighbors. I'm going to play the best joke. Yeah, uh, everybody in town seems to be playing with him, like ch- children uh, running around. Um, let me see. He-, he finds two dolls in a compromising position. He gets mad. Yes. yes. People are setting up tableaus just to screw with him. He see- he notices a boat. and he-, he just goes out there. Nothing. Yes, the empty shipping vessel. He goes to the bread shop. This is probably my favorite. The baker is pulling out a human-sized, human-shaped bread. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's just there, and, the, like, and nobody really says anything about it. Uh, we just see it later. Um, oh, and the fish store has a... <laughs> the, the fishmonger or whatever, uh, in his closet, he has his costume... The Salmon of Knowledge. Yes! I don't even know if we see him in the costume later. He just, he's very proud of it. We, we do see him. I did notice. The, we okay, see, I was we see everybody in their costumes when the parade starts. Like, I was I think, looking for him. I must have missed him. I think it is literally every single person that had a line in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and he finishes at the funeral home. And it, there's like a body in one of them, but it's not the one he's looking for. So he just he just leaves. Yep. Why didn't you look there sooner? I think that's the only. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was like another prank, but no, I think I think it seemed like just an actual dead person just in there. Yeah, I guess people will die on an island eventually. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> we, we maybe. Maybe a little rude to just leave him in there uh, in the middle of the summer heat, but I guess what are you going to do at this point? Look, all our shovels are being prepared for the May Day Festival, not for grave digging. Finally, after much strife, he he just crashes back into the inn. Um, they're getting they're getting ready for festivities tonight, cleaning cleaning uh, glasses and whatnot. Um. He slams down a whiskey at this point. He's he's drinking now. Mm-hmm. And he says he's going to go lie down on his bed for half an hour. 
And the innkeeper's just like, you should probably just stay there for the rest of the night. Yeah. And so he he lies down, he pretends to sleep, and <laughs> the innkeeper and his daughter are just outside uh, his room with the door open, whispering like this. I don't really want to use the hand of glory on him. Yes. I so I thought I missed something at first. No, so no. They're talking about the hand of glory. I'm like, oh, is that like some weird sleeping poison, maybe? And mm-hmm. so she takes something, goes up into the room, does something, and just and then they both leave. Uh, how he opens his eyes, and there's just a hand stuck on a candlestick, and it's on fire. Every finger. Every finger is burning. What? What does that mean? His reaction is to immediately kick that thing over and try and stomp it out. Oh, yeah, you know, he he does not tolerate the hand of glory. He makes this Hank Hill blah noise when he sees it. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> And I think that's an actual... Let me look this up, because I've heard that yeah. it, reference it mi- to pagan ritual. It might be. I just... I I was not expecting it to be quite that literal. Anyway, he takes the candlestick and beats the innkeep on the head and steals his costume. Because he is the he is man punch. Yeah, uh... There is a hand of glory in old things uh, used in black magic spells. Not always a candle. Not specifically pagan. I learned something. And uh, on my first time watching this, when I did not know where this was going, my thought was, oh, the innkeep must have been the one who sent the letter. His, you know, all of this. Well, maybe you should stay inside. Oh, this will keep him under for the rest of the night. He's like, oh, like, he must have been the one who's he's trying to protect him. But like, like it's no. sort of sort of a tragedy that he doesn't realize that this this man is actually the one person on his side, and he is the one person that he assaults. Yep. Okay, and it that, doesn't. That would make sense. That is not what happens. Yep, <laughs> that was just what I thought originally. It's like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, I don't. I don't really remember exactly what I thought. It's watching it again this week. I mostly just remembered it was just a succession of scenes where he just, where Sergeant Howie just gets angrier and angrier and angrier, and then there's the Wicker Man. Mm-hmm. So, it's time for the parade. Mm-hmm. Uh, Summer Isle has changed into the costume of the Man-Woman, and the Man-Animal and Man-Fool are also there. They are, uh, they're uh going down. They're leading the procession. Um, Howie is not cutting enough capers here. They're very yes. upset with him. Summer Isle screaming at him, McGregor, have you gotten into your own stash? Caper more, fool! <laughs> and then some women just show up and start beating him with sticks. <laughs> they're yes. having. Uh, I, I think Willow and Miss Rose are among them. They're having a swell time. <laughs> This scene is so fun to watch because it is it's, <laughs> it's, it's completely, hard. It, it, it's yeah. just completely knocks you off of like any sort of like sensible center that you may have from watching this movie to this point. It's just chaos. 
we yeah the tension is out the window because it just be you mentioned earlier that the um the search music sounds like tense benny hill <laughs> this is a benny hill skit with a weird old renfair track behind it yes pretty much <laughs> um the so they they end up at the stonehenge and the uh there are six teens with swords who uh, have been sort of dancing around. Um, like I mentioned before, everybody's there. Everybody's got a mask and a costume. Um, so they, the teens with the swords, uh, they come together into the six-pointed star. And now it's time for every single person, one at a time, to stick their heads through it until the music stops. Mm-hmm. And which is kind of alarming. So they do this for a while. Uh, Sergeant Howie gets gets his uh, his turn. He, he he is not trapped in whatever is going on. <laughs> and then <laughs> the music does stop, and the swords immediately close around a, ma- a rabbit mask, which comes flying off. And he's just like, "Oh my, what?" He he runs over to help, uh, or to just do something. And oh, it's okay. It's just Holly. She's short. She's got a head on yep. her head. Oh, what fun! Let's go to the <laughs> beach. Like wow, f- to the beach. What was that? <laughs> yes. What, what what were they gonna do if it wasn't Holly? Did they did they know? <laughs> yeah. No one ever answers that. It's yeah. uh, it's something. Ugh. Because they definitely slash right through that thing the head flies oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's just an immediate boom gone and so after all of this we have reached the beach uh there's a, a cart set up with uh several casks casks of ale and summer isle has an axe <laughs> and yes. so they just they just he just goes to town on them with the axe sacrificing the ale to the ocean uh, it froths up like a lot. It looks kind of disgusting, but I, I don't know. It's a wonderful ritual, I guess. There's worse things you could throw out to see than three barrels of ale. Sure. I just mean like in the 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 middle of the the sea and ale mess just seems like something I don't want to be near. Fair. So he's he's giving a speech as he does this. I don't remember what most of it was about, but, um... Talking about the goddess of the sea, who is also the goddess of... It's either the hunt or the harvest. There's Both of these goddesses are dual-natured, and this is our sacrifice to you, and it rolls down, and then a speech for the new year. And finally, present the harvest... Mast? I forget what her title is. Uh, our more dreadful sacrifice is what I wrote down. Because mm-hmm. uh, up at a nearby cave, tied up and standing there, oh, it's Rowan. She's there, so he just he immediately tears off to save her, because uh, that's that's the smart and cool thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so he just runs up. Uh, one of one of the uh, sacrificers, I guess we will call them, uh, tries to stop him and just gets punched right in the face. So this is one of those scenes where I get 
what they extrapolated on to make the Nicolas Cage Wicker Man remake. Yeah. It's yes. moments like this, but they ramped this bit to 11. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was planning on having a uh, let's talk about the remake section at the end. Oh, I, I'll go into it more, but like, I, I had forgotten there are so many one-punch yeah. strikes on people. It's just, oh yeah, that's, and then they ratcheted it up. Yeah, um, the, so, I, I guess we'll just do this now. Um, I was, uh, I rented it, I rented the remake the other day. I, I've never actually seen the whole thing, I've just seen the clips that were going around at the time. Oh, okay. Um. So, I thought I was prepared, and no, turns out, um, it, like you said, everything is ramped up all the way. Um, it's like, a lot of it just seems like it was written by someone who just read the back of the box blurb, mm -hmm. and decided to make a remake based on that. But also, there are, like, entire scenes which are just completely reused, but, like, weirder and worse. Like, uh, the whole thing where he's, uh, yelling at the, or where he's confronting the schoolgirls, like, that's yeah. almost word for word. I, di I didn't actually finish the movie. I was very drunk when I made this decision. <laughs> I've actually still got about four hours left on that rental, so I guess I'm gonna do that when we're done here. Okay, did you get up to one of the added scenes where someone tries to drown him under a bridge? No, I didn't get that far, um... After he he saw Rowan running around in a barn. Yes. And the, like a couple of scenes after that is where I stopped. It's just like, hmm, let's uh, what, what do we how do we do this with uh, this movie where uh, it's basically just uh, hanging out in a small town for half an hour and just kind of like getting pissy. How do we do that? How about a, just a brutal car crash two minutes in? Like, what, what in the world are you people doing? <laughs> what, uh, also, why, why have we replaced uh, paganism and uh, uh, Jesus Christ and whatnot with the feminism and bees? What? Yeah, changing the orchards to bees and making it an all-female island is a very strange choice. It's not quite all female. There's like some dudes around, but the it's just what? <laughs> Dude, they yeah. they clearly did it so that he could be allergic to bees. Like they're not subtle about that, but ugh. I don't know. I <laughs> I, I don't understand yeah. it and I'm terrified to learn more. <laughs> I can't wait for you to see the ending then. I, I I've definitely seen the B scene. That was uh, oh, ev yeah. everybody has seen that one. It was wasn't that in like in the unrated cut or something? Um, it's in both of them. You hear him in voiceover more. They show the bad CGI bees on him in the unrated cut. Okay. Anyway, I d I do know about this one because he just uh he decks a woman in the face. In like a t full body bear fur suit, yes. Mm. Um, it's it's not just Dex; they have a full fist fight. 
<laughs> That's why I was like, oh, yeah, he is one punching a lot yeah. of people in that original movie. Yeah, there's there's like you can see you you can see point A and you can see point B and whatever the line is doing in the middle. It's not whatever you think it is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's drunk. Very. So anyway, he frees the girl. We're, let's get let's get back to the good movie. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> Policeman and girl run into a cave. Yes, they run into a cave. Uh, she, as he's <laughs> untying her, she says, "Do you know what they're going to do? They're going to." And he just sort of like pushes her in. So he she doesn't get to finish that sentence. So good job. Um, <laughs> uh, a really groovy tune is playing throughout all of this. This sounds like Scooby-Doo chase music. Yes, yes, a little bit. Just Celtic Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Oi, Scoob! Oh no, I can see it. See? <laughs> you don't... really don't have to change the costumes much either. Yeah, no. I don't like it. Um. Anyway, uh, uh, the, it. The, this chase goes on for a bit, and it's it, it's fine. It's It's a chase scene in a movie. <laughs> She um, suggests up here. That's the way yeah, out. There's a, there's a there's a tunnel, uh, higher up, uh, in the cave, which le- uh, leads to an exit. And so he runs out, and oh hey, Lord Summer Isle is here, and also a uh, bunch of the village women. And oh hey, here's the rest of the village coming down over that hill. Weird. Yep. And so Rowan runs up and hugs her mother. She's, she did it right. She did such a good job. Hugs everywhere. And they go away. <laughs> yep. They're done here. And uh, yeah, if you if you want to, I, I imagine you would like to talk about this, uh, this little scene. It is wonderful because this is Christopher Lee getting to lay out. You are perfect sacrifice. You fit everything that the gods would love. You came here of your own free will. You, a lawman, have the power of a king. You are a virgin, and you are a fool. The harvest will be wonderful this year. <laughs> I, I I feel like came here of his own free will is a little, little bit weaselly, considering. Oh, yeah. But I, 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 I guess it fits the letter. I mean, when you're dealing with anything involving the Fae or old gods, etc., you yeah. absolutely are allowed to try and <laughs> trick the gods. That's how those stories yeah. go. Make sure to read the footnotes. Mm-hmm. Um, and try and get the god drunk so they don't either. Yeah, it's 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 bas- it's basically like a a mastermind speech. It's a we controlled your every thought and actions. The, he he at one point lists like uh what accept what counts as acceptable sacrifices. Like uh, animals are fine, I guess. Usually, a little child is better, but the right kind of adult, that's the ticket. Mm-hmm. This is probably the only time Howie plays along. Because he says, if you kill me and it does nothing for your crops, you're the only person that'll do next time, Summer Isle. The king of the Isle's the best you can get. And the crops 
will not fail. This harvest will bloom. Well, I sure hope so for his sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. You have accepted the role of king for a day, and who but a fool would do that? But you will be revered and anointed as a king. You will undergo death and rebirth. The rebirth, sadly, will not be yours, but that of our crops. Ah, but I am a Christian. Even in death, it is I who shall live again, not your damn apples. Yes, that's the the rebirth resurrection thing, which it seems like a blurrier line than they make it out to be. But I'm I'm not particularly religious, so I'll just take their word for it. <laughs> it's very interesting that through the whole movie, Howie has been using his faith. As a bludgeon, how how is there no Jesus here? But this is the only time he wields it defensively, and... And it doesn't work. Oh, it doesn't work, and also, in trying to build himself up, he gets vicious, you know, I shall live again, not your damn apples, cursing them from inside the Wicker Man shortly. It's an interesting change of pace. Is a it's it's the complete uh, collapse of the Sergeant Howie archetype. This is the most he has been in his faith the whole movie, and also only to try and put yes. himself above this, knowing he is lost. And as he goes, he starts yelling the Lord's name in vain. Mm-hmm. He, which he never does until the moment that he sees the Wicker Man. Oh God. Oh God! Oh Jesus yeah. Christ! Um. So, uh. So they they cut his clothes off and do like a little bit of a, a weird ceremony. The women just start like anointing him with their hair. I'm not sure what that one was about. Uh. But they also wash a... his hands. Yeah, it's a little bit ritual bath. It's a little bit. You get the sense they're trying to horn him up. I'm I'm sure that's part of it. The lusts of a man for a sacrifice. I guess that makes it uh, tastier for the gods. It's the only thing I can think of, especially based on the expressions Woodward is making. Sure. But now it is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Which is definitely going to be the clip I put at the start of this. (laughs) So... This is this is where it just completely falls apart. He starts uh, how he starts screaming. Listen, this is murder. Your faith sucks. It's fake. Science killed your fruits, and this will not help. And mm-hmm. they they don't listen. They they have their own thing that they're going to start doing. At first, they start crowd surfing him up the hill. Yes, they carry him, and finally, eventually, just sort of drag him the the rest of the way. In which they see the Wicker Man, which is a, believe it or not, a giant man made out of out of wicker. My favorite detail, which is underrated, is that he is not the only sacrifice. No, not there even are little, close. Yeah, there are little cages built into each of the arms where there is wood around little chicken coop wire with various animals. I think there was a, was there a goat? I think there was like one of everything. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember the one that... Is that a goat? How did you get that in there? That seems like it sucked. 
I, I did read somewhere that apparently it was a nightmare to get those animals in and out for various shots. Because I can only imagine you can't just set a bunch of animals on fire in your film, even in 1973. Yeah. So. So, yes, at the base, there are men with torches and uh, a whole. I don't don't even know what you call that. Just the the thing, the the kindling, I guess. Pyre. Yeah. Pyre is the word. Mm -hmm. And by this point. The big man who was in the hobby horse is just hauling Howie over his shoulder. Yeah, he can't do anything. He's completely helpless. And so they they throw him inside and lock him. It's done now. It's, there's no way out. Uh, they, uh, they begin singing uh, the final song, Summer is a Comin' In. And... How he tries to like, he tries to reverse pray at them. Basically, he, tr- he tries to counter it with his own faith. But th- but it's, the faith of many yeah. and also fire is too much for him. It's a combination of Lord take me, Lord save me in your arms, and oh Lord damn these people, damn these people to the flames, and. It's- Back and forth, and the whole time the song is just rising. And it is pretty harrowing. Oh, yeah. Again, going back to the remake, I can only imagine how much they ramped this up. But even in this, it's like a bunch of tight close-up shots of just... It's it's extremely claustrophobic in there. And there's... You can see the fire raging around him, and it's... uh, Ugh. No, thank you. I do you. not know how that shot was put together, but yes, it is incredibly unpleasant because it is licking at his back. There's there's very controlled fire before yes. the camera, but this does not look like it was a fun scene to shoot. No, no, not at all. But I, I, it was worth it in the end, I hope. Very memorable scene on a lot of levels. And God help you if you have any kind of phobia relating to like seven things in this part. <laughs> yeah. Um, and surrounding the, the wicker man in a, a large circle, which we see from above a few d- times, it's just the whole town. They are loving this. They are dancing. And there's just this one man in the middle, just screaming for help. And eventually <clears throat> there's no more screaming. Yep. Uh, the last thing he screams is, a bit unclear. Uh, the subtitles uh, say it is Daniel, which I believe is uh, is a biblical reference, so it could be that. Um, mm-hmm. I I did not find a uh, a clear answer, so that's the best we can get. Uh, some random some random person on uh, IMDb suggested it might be Jesus, which would also mm-hmm. fit. It's it's a uh, it's just a cacophony of fire, and he's screaming. Yeah, he's being drowned out by the song and the crackling before he's gone. It's hard to hear, but regardless, he uh, he he held true to his faith to the last, as as much as much as is possible. Mm-hmm. And the final shot we see is the sea as the wicker mm-hmm. man collapses, and we just stare out over the ocean where the sun lowers to the song and credits. The end. So yeah, this is 
this is a very unique movie. Mm-hmm. Like uh, all of the elements you can sort of point to uh, as as various things. It's not like just completely invented whole cloth or anything, but the the combination of everything that they did is just something that I I don't I really can't think of anything else that like even comes close to it. A common horror trope is the crazy cult, which uh, the main character is, uh, I guess, both unable and unwilling to under to try to understand. Mm hmm. And but it's like a much it's a much more like subtle and grounded version of that than you see a lot of the time. Like, uh, yeah. Any comparison I can make to this is only a two out of three. Like, if we strip the musical aspect, <laughs> you could go, oh, Midsommar. Sure. If we take out the specifics of it and it's just horror and musical, you end up with something like a Rocky Horror or Little Shop of Horrors. Sure. Uh, apparently that's the only way you can sing is if you throw that word into your title. Uh... Wasn't uh um that one Tim Burton movie, the barber something? Oh yeah, that Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. Yes, I don't think that one has that word in the title. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the demon barber of Fleet Street. So yeah, you're correct. I I'm overreaching again. Uh but yeah, nothing quite has the exact same combination of elements as this film and it's really hard to make a straight comparison and it stands alone for that it's gorgeous it's got a fantastic soundtrack um you can it, it, it is it is up on like uh spotify and i assume the other music services like it so definitely i'm go sure there's been some vinyl release of this in recent years as a specialty thing i may start looking for that That's right. I'm one of those. That's fine. You can be one of those. It's cool. <laughs> as long as you're like, there are levels of reasonability of uh, audiophile stuff. Like, I, I just like the sound of vinyl. Cool. Vinyl is better yeah. than CDs. I don't know. And it's just, it, it's like, uh, uh, this uh, <laughs> RCA cable is gilded with magic rocks what no 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 i i don't get to the magic rock point <laughs> i i have magic rocks for other things but not for audio anyway uh that's all i have to say about the wicker man i think i i love i love it it's so it's so weird it's so unique and just captivating really so uh what are we gonna be watching next time so I have been picking a bunch of artsy-fartsy films, and I want to lean in the opposite direction this next time. I want All to give right. you something that you could just really go wild with. All so, right. Are we going dumpster diving? Oh, no, no, no. We're not going dumpster diving. <laughs> okay. I've decided I'm going to do something that both is not played out, but will also really give us something to talk about. And I wanted to do... There's a show called Sleepy Hollow... And the writers said how they made it work is they tried to write jokes that were 
one branch higher than the lowest hanging fruit. Okay. Still kind of obvious, but not the instant thing you thought of. So rather than go really big commercial success that I can pivot off of the Wicker Man with Nick Cage, we're going to um. not do Mandy. We're going to do The Color Out of Space from 2019. Okay. Color Out of Space. What is that about? I have never heard of this. Oh, it is an adaptation of the Lovecraft story. Okay. Except it was made in 2019, and uh, it turns out by this point you can do a Lovecraft adaptation without having to talk about things like his cat or the spooky races. Yeah, so, some of there's always been some aspects of it that terror of the unknown is just like completely it, it, that's always been a huge uh, draw and then there's like also that other stuff on the side that mm. yeah this was a story that did not have any of that to begin okay. with but it's also adapted for a modern take so it's not just a farmhouse in the 20s no it's an actual family drama, and we're in one of those periods where Nick Cage is putting his whole ass into work again. So this is a nice one, with the unexpected return of Richard Stanley to directing ever since he got fired from the island of Dr. Moreau in 96. Okay. All right, so You're yeah. You're for a treat. I, I'm interested. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> uh, we'll be checking that out next time. Uh, it looks like it is available on Shudder or AMC+. Plus. And also, mm-hmm. as usual, the rental places for a few bucks. Um, yeah, uh, c- catch us then. Um, if you enjoy what you've heard, just, uh, you know, just to find someone you know that might uh, might like to hear people rambling about horror movies for an hour and a half or so. And, you know, just, let, uh, just pass it along. We have absolutely zero budget here, so... Any little bit helps. And uh, on Twitter, it is at CheapScares, just one word. Uh, You could also email CheapScaresCast, also one word, at Gmail. Or uh, we also have a YouTube page. uh, So if you want to just, like, toss a comment on there on one of the episodes, there's video versions of that. You don't have to watch the video versions. That's fine. But uh, if you have something you want to say, that's a good place to do it. And, uh... We'll catch you next time. See you around. Goodbye.